The Bible describes the Christian life and experience to a race. Next on Abounding Grace, we'll show you what it takes to finish the race well. This is amazing grace. Not long ago, we watched as athletes from all over the world competed in the Olympics. Obviously, there were winners and losers, and so it is in the spiritual race of life, as we'll discover today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will show us how to be winners in this race as we begin Hebrews chapter 12. We start a new chapter today in our verse-by-verse study of the book of Hebrews, and what a faith-building, faith-filling book of the Bible Hebrews is. The Bible study I've entitled today is Winners and Losers in the Spiritual Race of Faith. Because we are in a race, and we learn that here in chapter 12 in verse 1. Now, remember Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish believers who embraced their Messiah. He, Jesus arrives and he fulfills all that God promised. He is the promised Messiah, and many Jewish, believer, many Jewish believers embrace him. And they now know and understand the fulfillment of Judaism is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. But now, because they've gone all in, because they've jumped in with both feet, they've said, yes, we have cast our lot with Jesus Christ, they're beginning to feel the backlash. They're beginning to doubt their faith. They're beginning to drift away. They're becoming dull toward the Word of God, even some despising God's Word. And so Paul, I believe the author of Hebrews, sits down to write this exhortation to stay close to Jesus Christ, an exhortation addressed to true believers. And we know the message is true for us today, the application. God is exhorting you to stay strong. God is exhorting you to keep your eyes on the Lord. God is exhorting you that you have made the best decision you've ever made in your entire life was to embrace Jesus Christ and to be born again. And we've just spent a tremendous amount of time in the chapter 11, the hall of faith. And it's been faith, faith, faith over and over again. I count at least 23 times in chapter 11 that faith is mentioned and alluded to and given us the example of what faith really looks like in a person's life. You see, the all-in approach that you've taken, the all-in approach that they've taken, is one that's going to bring pain into your life. Sometimes you think, well, if I follow Jesus, then it's going to be a painless life, and a life without suffering, and a life that we'll never be sick again, and I'll never face down, never... That's not true. As a matter of fact, following Jesus brings an intensity in these things, as now you're in a spiritual battle. And so Paul then and Paul now, the Holy Spirit wants to come alongside of us, And remind us that Jesus is in every way a better and the complete revelation of God. Greater than the old covenant. Greater than all the rituals and religion. Greater than everything. And that in their faith journey, they're not alone. So notice in verse 1 of chapter 12, it says, Therefore we also, 
since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Right away we learn that we're not alone. For the Hebrew believers, they're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, but so are you. This group of men and women that live by faith and they made it. They made it in. They're in the presence of God right now. How? By faith. And they overcame all of their failures, all of their missteps, all of their difficulties, and they're remembered not by their failures. They're not remembered because of all the weaknesses. They're remembered why? Because of their faith. And so we have them that go before us, but also he uses the phrase us. He says, look, we're in this together. You've been born again into a new spiritual family. Now, whether you like it or not, if you look around the room, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is it. This is what heaven's going to look like. We are going to be together. You better start liking each other now because you're going to be together for all eternity. This is it. We are, and aren't you glad that there was room for you in the family of God? Of all that you've been through, all of your background, there's room for you and there was room for me. We're in this together. And what are we in exactly? Well, notice he says, he says we're in a race. He describes our Christian experience, our Christian relationship as a race. And he starts with the word, therefore. Notice that word in verse 1, therefore. That's an important word. Whenever you see this word, I want you to remember that it's a connecting word. So it connects us with what has been said previously. You also want to ask the question whenever you see the word therefore, what is it therefore? What are we being connected? What are we learning as the Bible is one unit? You could say this, whenever you see the word therefore, you could also translate it, because of what I just said, I want to teach you something. That's really what the word means. Of everything I just finished saying, here's the conclusion of the matter. So the word therefore in chapter 12 connects us back to chapter 11. Really to the end of how everyone made it. Everyone, all those that uh, through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises. They all made it in. Because of their faith and because of all that we have just learned about faith, you need to remember to run your race. Everybody before you, they ran their race. You need to run your race. And you run it together. We run this race together in this hall of faith filled with great men and women who live by faith. It's not just them that ended well. We too want to end well. And so what does he tell us? He says, let us, number one, lay aside every weight. Now we'll develop this in later studies. But for today, remember, lay aside every weight. The things that are heavy. The things that are weighing you down. And lay aside the sin. I mean, let's just face it. If there is known sin in your life, it is hindering you from running the race. Don't think that it's no big deal. And don't think that compromise isn't going to hurt you. And don't think that, that it's not going to trip you up and that you're not going to fall on your face if you're messing around with known sin. He says, lay it aside. There's no room in our lives for known sin. You can't hold on to it and run your race at the same time. I, I kind of get that picture of like, you know, that Olympic athlete that's training and training and training. You know, they, they try to minimize 
uh, the clothing that they have, to be aerodynamic and have the right shoes and to train and to run. They don't put on a big backpack with big rocks in there. Say, oh, just lay another one in, lay another one in. No, they lay aside everything that's necessary so that they might win the race that they're running. So lay aside those. We'll get into those in later studies. But notice he says, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. You know, there are winners and losers in this spiritual race of life. That's what's the comparison here is your life and my life following Jesus is like a race. It's a familiar comparison in the Bible. It's not the first time it's used. If you want to jot it down in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. So let's run the race. And I like that. It's us. Let us. We're in this race together. Now, you could say that although we're running the same race, we all have our lane. You know, we all have our unique life, our unique background, our unique spiritual gifting. So we all have our lane, but we're in the race together. Now, it's important to remember, especially for those of you here today or you're listening to me on the radio that are of the more competitive type of people. You know, like you can't do anything without wanting to win. Not just do your best, but like you want to win. Your attitude is if you're not first place, everything else is last place. Like there are no, like you're competitive. Not that I would know anything about that. Our family happens to be a very competitive family in everything we do. And so what we're trying to do when we're playing a game is to win and to beat the other person. That's not the picture here. So if you're competitive, you have to set that aside and understand that there's a different way you run the spiritual race of life. It's not to beat another person. Here, you are running the race, listen, to finish. You are running the race to finish. Not just to finish, but to finish well. You want to go all the way through the finish line, and you want to do it in such a way where you finish well. It's not about beating me or you, uh, you beating me or me beating you. It's not about me finishing first or you finishing first. It's about us, all of us, finishing well. You know, in a competitive race, if you're in a lane next to someone and you're running really fast and the person falls down next to you, you're like, okay, one less person that can beat me. And you keep running. But for the believer, when we're running in the race together and somebody falls, the one that's running stops, comes back, helps the brother or sister up so that we can run together. Because the goal is, I want to finish, but I want you to finish too. And if we finish together, that's great. If you finish ahead of me, that's great. The only point of this race, church, is that you finish. You need to finish well. I want to finish well. I was thinking about this in my own life because, you know, I want, especially as the years keep being added to my life, I want to finish this race. I want to finish well. I've had for many years this thought of not wanting to fail and falter. And, and for years, you know, back if you listen to some of the old Bible studies, I'm sure I say this. So, you know, I don't want you to wake up one day and have the headline on Denver Post, oh, there's another pastor that fell into some gross sin and didn't finish the race well. Well, nobody reads the Denver Post anymore. So I don't want you, you know, I don't want you now. It has to change. I don't want you to Google my name then and find out there's another pastor that got into something, got off course, did something stupid, and then now I'm not finishing my 
my race. Because I, I want to finish well for my family, for my kids, for my grandkids. I want to finish well for the people that God has allowed me to serve, to allow me to teach the Bible, allow me to be a part of your life. I want to finish well. And you want to, in your mind, you want to adopt, if you haven't thought this way before, you as a believer want to adopt this thought. You want to be able to say, I want to finish well. I don't just want a good day. I want a good week. I don't just want a good week. I want a good month. I want a good year. I want a legacy of my lifetime to say, even though I was dead in my trespasses and sins, God saved my life, put me in the race, and I want to finish well. Why? There are spiritual winners and losers. And the losers don't finish well. The losers don't enter into the race really at all. For those of you that have been around for a while, walking with the Lord, for me, it's almost now 30 years. It's hard to believe, but almost 30 years now, I've walked with Jesus. I've been born again. The, the starting gun went off in the sanctuary of Calvary Chapel in Downey, California, back in 1991. Now, back then, I didn't really know I was in a race. I didn't know all the things that I've read the Bible. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't even own a Bible when I was born again. And so I've learned over the years that God compares my walk now with Him as a race, and that, now I look back and I go, oh, wow. Wow, that was really, that's where it began, that moment. I, I can remember that moment like it was yesterday. I can remember all the sights and the sounds, and I was born again right there in that sanctuary. And I started out with a lot of people. I started going to every service. I was going to prayer meetings. I was involved in small groups. I mean, I wanted to be around believers as much as possible. And I was surrounded by a bunch of guys and gals that we all started out with different folks. And there were a few people that I started out with that I thought, oh, I don't think they're going to make it. I just don't think, I, don't, I just don't see a real, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make it. That probably they'll, they'll throw in the towel. And guess what? Some of them did. Some of them just threw in the towel. They quit. They turned back. And there are others, same group, that didn't throw in the towel. And they're still running with the Lord today. Some of them are pastors. Some of them are leaders. Others I started out with or met along the way, I saw that had great potential. I even saw God use them in some ways. And so encouraged by their lives. And now they've fallen away. Turned their backs on Jesus. There are some, as I was teaching this, in our Saturday night service for the first time, these images popped into my mind of people that were in this church, serving in leadership in key places of leadership in this church, that were as entrusted by God and by this church, the elders of this church, to care for the flock here. That I can remember doing ministry with them side by side. I can remember praying with them. I can remember them in, in leadership meetings. I can remember them in Bible studies that today, not only are some of them not walking with the Lord, but some of them have become atheists or at least professing to be atheists. Some of them, I mean, people that served right here in this church in the past 20 years are undermining. They have taken apart, they have taken it upon themselves to undermine the faith of others. And it's so discouraging. I'm sure that you've met people like that too. Let's just pray for them right now. Father, I pray uh, as you think, and, and even as a uh, brother was giving me, he gave me another name, a person that I remembered that served here, that was in leadership here, but now is under, trying to undermine people's faith. I just pray, God, you bring conviction on them, but more than anything, that you bring them back, that they would stop it, that they would just begin to fall in love with you once more, that they would recognize all that you have done for us, that you bring great conviction, even as I see face after face after face, and it seems like every service, more faces are added 
And it's sad. It's very sad, Lord. And I pray against their undermining of people's faith. It reminds me of like Alexander the coppersmith that, um, you know, he did Paul much harm because he hurt a lot of believers. And I pray for those that are hurting believers right now. You'd bring it to a stop and bring them back to a, sa- to a saving, full, real faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let me ask you this. As, as names, as faces were coming up in my mind, by just a show of hands, did any faces come to your mind? Not the ones that I have, but your own, that you knew that people were walking with you, and now they're not, they were serving with you, they were in the race, and they're not in the race anymore. This is real stuff, guys. The, the, some of the people that are in my mind, I, I would have never, ever in a thousand years predicted that they wouldn't be walking with the Lord right now. I think of some of the things I've seen posted on YouTube and Facebook and all that nonsense and listening to those watching. I mean, I would have never, ever, ever predicted that they would turn and try to hurt you and try to hurt their parents and try to hurt like people that are loving Jesus. Why? Well, look, some people have a strong start. They have a powerful start in the race of life only to crash and burn later. And others have a weak start. And they pull it together in the end. And there are those that have a strong start and have a strong finish. And that's who I want to be. Like, we don't know. I, I, because, you know, it's a, for me, for me, I know that the Bible teaches in the security of the believer. I know that. It's very clear. You guys that are studying, you ladies in the women's study, you guys that come on our midweek Bible study, we've already learned in First Peter that you are kept by the power of God. You're not kept by your good works. You're not kept by your church attendance. You're not kept by your prayer. You are kept by the power of God. What he's begun, he's going to finish in your life. So I believe in the security of the real believer, but I also believe in the insecurity of the make-believer. Because there are make-believers. And it's time and testing that reveal that. There are people that say they love God. There are people that say they want to serve God. There are people that might even buy a Bible and start to pray hanging out here, but they're not real believers. And you go, what? How do you know? I don't know yet. But I do know when people fall away, uh, when people turn their back on God, when people become full-blown confessed atheists, that's concerning to me. The Bible says that not everybody that gathers together are believers. The Bible says that there'll be wolves that come in what? Sheep's clothing. They look like sheep, smell like sheep, talk like sheep. They're all like sheep. They got all the Christians, hallelujah, brother. Oh, praise the Lord. And before you know it, they're hallelujah with their right hand, got their hand in your back pocket, trying to rip you off and take advantage of you physically, spiritually. We've had our fair share here. That's why as shepherds and pastors, God has given us responsibility to protect the flock. And we do as under the Lord. It's our responsibility. But there are not. You know, Jesus said that, hey, there's going to be wheat that grow together and there's also going to be what? Tares. Tares are like weeds that look like wheat that have really no value. And he says, you know, you're just going to have to let them grow up together because you'll find out who's who at harvest time. And the Lord will sort it out. You see, not everybody's in the race, even though they say they are. But everybody that's listening to me can choose to be in the race. It's not like you're being pushed out. It's not like you're being kept out. It's your own decisions. The key in this race is to finish well. And so know this, know this. When a person falls away from Christ, they have really no one to blame but themselves. Now, that's a heavy statement. I'm reading it exactly how I put it in my notes. As I was reading it for the first time last night and teaching, I'm like, wow, that's heavy, Lord. That's a message you need to hear. Listen, 
When a person falls away from Christ, they really have no one to blame but themselves. But you'll hear all kinds of stories. You know, maybe you've had a bad experience in a church. You go, oh, you know, that church. And I don't follow the Lord today because of that church. No, you have no one to blame but yourself. Well, you know, it's that pastor, the way he treated. No, no, no. You don't have anyone to blame but yourself. Well, you don't understand the, the home I grew up in. My Christian parents, you know, they're so legal. No, no, no. You have no one to blame but yourself. You got to take personal responsibility for your life. There might be some pain in the previous church or in the previous pastor, but here, maybe even your parents. But the Bible says there's a way to resolve that. You can't use it the rest of your life as an excuse not to follow the Lord. You have no one to blame but yourself. See, the good news is if you want to follow God today and get back into the race, you can do it. (laughs) If you want to compromise, you can do that too. But compromise is only going to lead you to more compromise. Compromise is going to give you a bad reputation. You know, I was thinking compromise and cheating. You know, if you think of a race and cheating, there's always every year in those marathons, somebody that starts the marathon, goes off a little bit, gets in a taxi, and takes it to the front. It's like, what are you doing? Like, they have, all, they have cameras everywhere. They know. They know whether you're running or not, but they still, there's still somebody trying to cheat along the way. There's always that sense of, I want to get a little extra effort. But see, there's no need to cheat in this race, this spiritual race, because God is empowering you to finish and to finish well. Cheating will hurt you and harm you and destroy your life. And you have no one to blame but yourself. The Bible does assure us of the security of the believer. Peter tells us that we're kept by the power of God, but we also have a responsibility You can jot it down in Jude. There's only one chapter in verse 20. It says this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's your responsibility. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Notice he doesn't say keep yourselves saved. He says keep yourselves in a usable position in God's love you got to keep yourself there. It's not, you're not keeping yourself. Like, like think of the love of God like an umbrella. You know, it's raining and it's pouring down rain. In order to enjoy the benefits of the umbrella, you need to keep yourselves under the covering of the umbrella. Does that make sense? You can't take an umbrella and hold it out here and be upset that the rain is pouring on your head. All you need to do is bring your arm back just a little bit And you keep yourselves under that protective covering of the umbrella. Or I think of a nice hot day and you have the umbrella for shade. In order to enjoy the shade, you need to keep yourselves under the umbrella. Well, the same is true. If you want to enjoy the love of God, you want to enjoy the presence of God, you want to enjoy your relationship with God, then here's what the Bible says. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Notice the Bible never needs to tell you to keep yourself in bitterness. That comes very naturally. The Bible never tells you to keep yourself in frustration. That comes naturally. The Bible never tells us to keep yourself all angry and messed up because that comes naturally. But we have to make a concerted effort to put our lives in a position and a place where we're not only under the love of God, but we are enjoying the love of God. It's our responsibility to keep yourself in a safe place. To stay away from anything that reduces your spiritual appetite. To stay away from anything that's unlike God's love. Anything that would violate His love or bring sorrow and sadness to the heart of God. That's amazing, isn't it? We're going through Hebrews one verse at a time here on Abounding Grace. 
Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher on the program, and you can hear these studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com and through the Calvary Church app. Check out Ed's blog at EdTaylor.org. We also have a podcast. Look for us on Apple Podcasts. And thank you for remembering Abounding Grace in your giving to the Lord. Every gift that comes in goes right to the ministry. It plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, you're invited to request a copy of A.W. Tozer's devotional masterpiece, The Pursuit of God. In it, Tozer seeks to make his readers thirsty for intimacy with the Lord, and it will leave you inspired to seek God more passionately and intimately. You can start your pursuit today by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you'd just like to make a donation to the ministry and are not interested in the book, you can donate safely and securely at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Glad to have you with us for today's broadcast. We look forward to continuing the journey through Hebrews next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In the meantime, let's be drawing on God's abounding grace for daily living. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.